What's up, everyone? This is the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast with your host, Patty. This is the second installment of the Performance Drive, or the seventh overall episode. And our guest today is Willie Workman, who's a professional basketball player playing in Israel and who's played against several NBA teams. This is a truly amazing episode and provides unique insight from a professional level athlete. So sit back, relax, and listen up. What's going on, everyone? This is the seventh episode of Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast and the second installment of the Performance Tribe, which is a special series dedicated to sports and performance nutrition. And not just nutrition, any area of sports and performance, just advice to athletes everywhere that hopefully is applicable to sports of all uh, types. My guest today is Willie Workman, and he is a professional basketball player playing in Israel for several years now. I know Willie from Nantucket, where we both coach together in the basketball camps, and then after, we usually work out together, go through drills, just develop each other's game, even though his is on a astronomically higher level than mine. But yeah, we I've learned a lot from Willie, and to be honest, he's one of the most dedicated and meticulous athletes I've ever had the pleasure of meeting and every summer I come away from I think we spend about four weeks together I come away from them just refreshed and refocused because it's just it shows you what a professional the mindset of a true professional and if you haven't met one someone that literally makes their living playing professional sports it's it's an experience and it's great to get that exposure as a young person but anyway the interview goes on a while, so I'm going to try and just keep this short, the intro. But basically, we talk about his experience. You know, he's played against some NBA teams in preseason games, and so I talk about that for a good portion of the, the start. And then we start getting into the nutrition thing. So hopefully it's interesting. And at the very end, what we do is more of Willie asks me some questions, and we kind of, it's almost like a live consultation type and I think that's very interesting because it's cool to just get that insight, um, like a conversation between an athlete and a nutritionist would say. I think that it might be helpful. If you do find it helpful, please let me know. If you think it's a bit of bullshit, please let me know too. So without further ado, episode number seven, people, enjoy. Sorry, sorry, just real quick. At the start of the episode, I do tell Willie he's my first guest, which technically he was the first guest I recorded a podcast with. I just didn't want to start off the performance tribe with a very specialized basketball athlete because people might say oh he's just going to be a basketball podcast so I've actually offset that and my first guest was Shane Finn last week so that's just to clear up that confusion but anyway sit back and enjoy all right so welcome to my first ever guest podcast with the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast, and I have my friend here, Willie, who is a professional basketball player overseas in Israel, but I'll let him get into his background. Um, so thanks so much for coming on, Willie. Daddy, you didn't tell me I was the first guest ever, bro. I got a little pressure on me now, man. I thought I was just cruising in and everything, but that's all right. I like it. I like it. I'll be a bit shaky because, uh, as I said, it's my first one as well, so don't worry, man. There'll be nerves on both sides of it. Uh, cool, do you cool. want to just 
do you want to just tell us a small bit about yourself, Willie, and uh, what you're at at the moment? Um, my name is Willie Workman. I'm from uh, Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm a professional basketball player overseas. Uh, that's been my shtick. That's been my deal my whole life. I just love basketball. And um, grew up, uh, went to the local public high school. Then I went to Amherst College, which is actually a Division three school in Western Massachusetts, like 10 minutes from where I grew up. So I was like in a very small, uh, close bubble, you know, for the, the, all the formative years of my life. And then uh, had an opportunity to keep playing after college and took it and been running with it ever since. Just finished year seven overseas. And now I'm home in Western Mass, just waiting for year eight, basically. How were you guys affected over in Israel from the corona? I mean, we were, uh, our whole lives were turned on its head, just like everyone else in the world, you know? It's a very unique experience. I mean, like, every, it's, I think it may be the first time, you know, at least in a long, long time, that everyone in the world was affected by something, you know, kind of universally. Yeah. And um, it's been, been very scary obviously but also very interesting um when the pandemic kind of uh grew its legs in israel or at least in our minds in the israeli uh conscious we canceled uh the season or post or suspended was the word they used suspended indefinitely they called us together uh it was a friday i remember it was a friday it was march 13th because the next day was my 30th birthday so i was already in the middle of a midlife crisis you know oh god yeah and so then this happens and um uh and i started uh my wife and i who lives with me in israel we started basically like we went on lockdown we went on full quarantine really trying to listen to the rules and uh you know go to the grocery store Mm -hmm. and kind of stay stay to ourselves and we ended up doing that for like two months uh really like two months in the crib a lot of time together, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then after a couple months, the, the numbers in Israel uh, got really, really low. We were looking at like 10 new cases a day, something okay. like that. Um, so at first, Israel did a great job handling the pandemic, the pandemic, took it very seriously right off the bat, got the numbers really low. And then the country started to try to open itself up again in terms of the economy and in terms of professional basketball. So what they decided they were going to do is um, finish the season in an abbreviated format. So we had about 15 games left in the regular season and then the playoffs. And we ended up coming back and playing seven to get our legs underneath us and then had an abbreviated uh, playoff. So we had, there was a playoffs that, championship game was a few days ago actually but it was like shorter series you know what i mean yeah so just trying to get it all wrapped up and crown a champion and uh so we can move on to next year hopefully absolutely absolutely it was similar to what the nba have done kind of where they just shortened in terms of duration not in terms of uh protocol i mean okay we we were we were self-quarantining so we were not in a bubble yeah, we were not in a bubble. We were going to the gym, but under the uh, uh, under the penalties of a very steep fine, you couldn't do anything but go to the gym and then go home to your crib. Okay, like if you were caught out, and some guys were um, caught out getting a haircut, caught out in the mall, whatever. It was ten grand, boom, from first, the team, first defense. from the league, from the league. The league wow, would, the the league would find the team. 
because the league doesn't have jurisdiction on a player like that. Yeah. So the league finds the team. And then I think what happened, luckily it didn't happen on our team, but then I think the team would then take that from the player's salary. I mean, everybody yeah. knew the rules, bro. Yeah. Everybody knew you can't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Wow. They, uh, they organized like the teams would organize. Cause like I I'm, I'm married. My wife was over there with me so she could do kind of some of our day-to-day errands, you know, but yeah. the teams were organizing grocery deliveries, uh, drivers, like all that stuff. Um, so you, you really, the only reason you had to go out was because you wanted to go out. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and obviously like being quarantined is not an easy thing on the psyche, but if that's the price you got to play to play ball and do your job and work, which you shouldn't take for granted during this time. Like if you have a job, you're a lucky person mm-hmm. right now, you know? And uh, that was the price you had to pay. And some, some, some guys paid it, you know? <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to get a bit about your, your journey, we'll say from college or yeah, from college to professional, because I always find that an interesting story. I know I ask you about it every summer, but where you, uh, your final championship game was televised and then you were getting mm-hmm. calls from scouts and, you know, so maybe just a small bit about how you kind of made that, that bridge. Yeah, the short answer, the short answer is if you're looking to become professional uh, from, from college, you have to play really well and, and somebody's gonna come find you. Now, the way that it happened logistically for me, there's, also, there's a little bit of wiggle room. You know, you can do some things for yourself, of course. Yeah. Um, I, th- there was a very famous uh, basketball player from my area, his name's Adam Harrington. We've had two uh, NBA guys from like the greater Western Mass area. It's not like a hotbed of basketball by any means yeah but this dude uh adam harrington was like a mentor of mine uh he played for the mavericks he played for the timberwolves then he had a long career overseas and he's and i I know who he is he's about 10 years older and he i worked his basketball camps the previous summer and i was telling him like adam man you gotta put me on bro you gotta you gotta help me out this that and third and so he had made some calls before my last game in in college uh to like talk to some people he knew in the basketball world like hey i was lucky enough that it was the national championship game uh, at a division three level so it was aired on cbs so Mm -hmm. that was like a very big opportunity because now you can just call someone and say hey turn on channel four yeah right like that's not like playing d3 ball man there's like 100 people in some of our games so it's not like we're we're not on tv or anything yeah yeah uh i kind of had that opportunity we play well, we win the game by 20 points, we cut down the nets, um, and the next day I got a call from, uh, from a guy named Dave Gaspin, who uh, ended up representing me that first year. Wow. Uh, some people would call it luck, but luck is where preparation meets opportunity, you know? There you go. And actually, uh, something I try to, try to work in to the uh, story is that I ended up playing five years of high school basketball because my... Uh, my last year, I got injured. I had a surgery. I actually had two surgeries. Um, so I needed to take a fifth year. So the reason I'm saying that is because that pushed my college experience back a year, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and that meant that the senior, my senior year was the 75th anniversary of the NCAA. So for the first time ever, we played at the Division One Final Four weekend. Okay. So they play Saturday, Monday, the Division One guys do. 
Yeah. So they flew the D2 and D3 national championship contenders down, and we played the Sunday in between. Long story short, that's why it was on CBS. That's why we played it in the, uh, the Atlanta Hawks arena. That's why I was there. It was just like gassed up on steroids that year for just, yeah. just lucky things. So in my mind, I always think about how, oh, getting hurt, such a trial, such a tribulation, such a setback. And then it's like, well, you got to think about how things always work out. Because if I didn't do that, I wouldn't take the extra year. Even if I win the national championship as a senior, it's not on CBS. It's not televised. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So things got a funny way of working out and you just got to roll the punches, man. Just make make the best of it. Yeah, nutrition podcast, but I'm t- you're going to give yeah. me some nice little bites about motivation. And there's, there's there a, a lot of young basketball players listening here. Go. and They're going to take a lot from this. I can already tell. Hey, you got to be hungry in more than one way. You know what I mean? <laughs> man, I'm missing playing with you this summer because I, I usually get that motivation in person. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is a nutrition, uh, majority nutrition-related podcast, so I suppose I'll nutrition-related questions. What's the cuisine like over in Israel, and have you kind of adapted to that, or did you guys bring, say, the Western American diet with you? Both, right? Every yeah. time you go somewhere new, you got to try the local flavors, but you also want to keep some of your own heritage and bring your own styles, you know what I mean? So it's actually really interesting to see, like, my wife make her mother's pasta salad recipe, but with ingredients found in Israel. So everything's just not quite the same, you know? Yeah. But it's all, but it's, it's all really good. Um, the, uh, the cuisine in Israel is kind of like a mix between Western, uh, because they, they, they look to the States for a lot of things as a lot of places in the world do. And they're so close to uh, Americans diplomatically, like there's McDonald's there, you know what I mean? There's yeah, like yeah. burgers and fries. Um, and then they have the Mediterranean, Mediterranean, Mediterranean flavor because, and a lot of people like ha, don't even know this, but like Israel's like has a beach, you know, it's like on the Mediterranean, it's whole uh, West coast is on the water. Okay. And it's like a two hour flight from uh, Rome, you know, so it's like in like an hour and a half to Cyprus and Athens. So oh, it's like wow, okay. not yeah. as far away as people think, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's got the Mediterranean, um, you know, olive oil and uh, long cooked meals thing. And then it's got a little bit of uh, like uh, Middle Eastern flavor, which is actually, you know, kind of what people classically think of Israeli cuisine, but yeah. like a lot of hummus. Uh, shawarma, the pita bread, dumping and everything. Uh, oh, yeah. Some really interesting spices, uh, but it's good. It's like it's Israel's kind of like America in the sense that it's many little melting pot, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, there's people from all over the world that live there and have immigrated there. So there's a little bit of everything. Geez, that's that's news to me. I didn't I didn't really know that that there was a you know the Mediterranean was kind of integrated in there. The Mediterranean oh, yeah. diet, yeah. Well, wow. okay, yeah, okay. Um, right. So, I suppose back to a small bit of basketball. And one thing I find absolutely crazy about what your your schedule out there is: you play four preseason games every year in the NBA. So, would you just kind of tell me a bit about what that experience is like? You know, playing in the NBA arenas, playing against NBA players, seeing what their kind of preparation is like. I mean, it's probably the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, let's just like, no cap, man. Like, let's put it out there first. It's, uh, it just, 
it was really an amazing experience. The thing that most people won't know uh, is how difficult it is to live that lifestyle, even for four games. And I, what I mean is playing the game. We play the game, you know, in one city, right? We play the Clippers. We sleep in a hotel. We wake up early the next morning. We catch the 7 a.m. flight to Minneapolis. Um, we're flying coach. You know what I mean? We're not, yeah. this is not like the NBA. <laughs> like we don't have these chartered planes. Even with all that stuff, it's hard. But we're even like going through, you know, connections. You know, we're connecting in Portland to get yeah. to Mini. And like um, we get there, you know, have a shoot around, go sleep, wake up the next day and play again, you know? So it's, um, it's it's an amazing experience. I would never say no to it, you know what I mean? But it's also a, like a labor of love and an effort. And it's in our preseason, right before we're about to play meaningful league games, you know? Yeah. So you really got to balance it, um, like the workload and making sure you're fresh and everything when you get back overseas to hoop. But as far as like the glamour part of it, I mean, it's just incredible. First of all, it's incredible the facilities that these organizations have. I mean, they have four-length basketball courts, huge weight rooms, cold tubs, hot tubs that are just running full-time, trainers. I mean, everything you can think of, they have, and that's just their practice facility. That's their practice gym, you know? Um, and just the level of uh, care and uh, attention these guys have is, is incredible. Um, something you kind of see from the outside and to be honest like get you're envious and jealous and it's like um if you got if, if you have the talent to make it to the nba and you have the work ethic you should be able to stick there you know what i mean it's yeah. not like some leagues that are hard to stay in um so it's really interesting to see how that level of support helps the guys that want the help but also can be taken advantage of by the guys that don't and it's just it's just interesting. It's just interesting to see. Actually, we played the Kings, and it was their grand opening of their new arena. So they sold it out. There was oh my god! Eight thousand people there. Uh, it's a really cool arena out in Sacramento. It's like the first of its kind. That like it's open at the top. Like they can oh, close wow. it like a like a football field. Yeah. But yeah. it's open. So we played like a night game in Sacramento with like the the windows open. <laughs> and uh it was it was really cool and that was my first one too so that was that was extra special but uh yeah just an incredible experience i saw one of your instagram posts i was actually looking through because i'm going to get one or two of those photos where you're you're going up against nba players for the for the advertisement sure. but i saw one where it's probably from that game where you're being contested by willie collie stein and your caption was like I was, I was hearing a lot of, let's go Willies, and I thought Sacramento <laughs> oh, was taken a, to me. <laughs> this is a great one, man. I go to check into the game, right? It's my first game ever uh, playing in Sacramento, my first time playing an NBA team. I'm 25, you know, I'm this young guy, yeah. full of life, full of energy, and I go to check in the game, and the place erupts, right? <laughs> There's 28,000 people, and they're going crazy. They're chanting Willie. I'm like, this is incredible, man. Sacramento wants to sign me. I'm about to be here next year. And uh, I look over and running at me is uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, who's a very famous NBA seven-foot basketball player, for those of you that don't know. So here I am just feel like I have this like six-second window where I'm just feeling myself, just killing it. And it turns out that they're calling for Willie Cauley-Stein. 
So, but that was funny. I'll never, I'll never forget that. And I caught him on that up and under, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Picture, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, probably Stein can come get some too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's it's just incredible, man, to hear about it. Like, I don't know anyone who's had any kind of experience like that. But just to kind of rewind a small bit about what you were saying, the amount of facilities they have for, say, things like recovery and just pre preparation, like. So you played four games and you got to see, and now you didn't have the, you know, the luxury of the private jets and things, but 82 game season, you can imagine it takes an insane toll, but we play about half that. We play about half that. That's still a games. lot of games. Yeah. It's a lot of games. It's over a longer period of time. Um, I'm actually like very curious. I'm very curious to see like how the, the more, so first of all, when you're playing games, you're not practicing. So, like, let's, like, everyone needs to remember that. Like, overseas, we play one game every six days instead yeah. of one game every two or three days. But because of that, that doesn't mean that, like, our practices are not, like, NBA practices. Our yeah. practices are, like, college practices, you know, yeah. high school practices, running it. Because you have to, right? Like, you can't take five days off and then go play a game. It just doesn't work like that. You need Absolutely. to get your heart rate up. You need to get your work in. Um, and the NBA guys – it's an incredible toll for sure, but they—that's also like a benefit, I think, that their their work is just playing ball, it's mm. just live action, you know, which is the best way to get in shape, to get better as a basketball player, all that stuff. Like everything else matters, but nothing's better if you want to be a basketball player. Nothing's better for you than playing basketball. Yeah, you know, that's like yeah. anything in life. Yeah. Nothing's better than doing it. So, um. In this, it was interesting. In our startup, our restart post COVID, we had to condense the schedule. So we're playing a game every two or three days. Wow. Like the NBA does. Yeah. Without the travel, because it's Israel, it's a very small country. So we weren't dealing with the travel thing. But I, I say that to say that um, I caught a rhythm. I caught a different type of rhythm okay. than I usually have overseas because yeah. you play once every eight games, you play good, you play bad. It's seven nights of sleep between games. You don't remember. Like when you're going into the next game, like, oh, yeah, I'm still hot. You know, I'm good. Absolutely, you know, it just yeah. it happened too far back. But when you're playing every couple of days, yeah, you can catch a heater. So, like, that's, that would be very similar to, say, what, what I would have had back here, like one game every week. Mm -hmm. And I, I know exactly sure. what you mean. But, like, we would have three intense training sessions then during the week to keep us, right. to keep us in check. But, yeah, like you say, the NBA, they don't really have those trainings, more kind of shoot around and strategy things, you know. Yeah, and personal yeah. work, and and, yeah. and they and they they have such big teams that you know they got fifteen guys on the roster, eleven playing the game. Those other four are going to be grinding mm. on the off days. Yeah, they're going to be playing twos. They're going to put them on the treadmill underwater. They're going to be putting them in the weight room because they have to get the amount of work in as if they had have played. Yeah, the game. that's a really really good point. And like, there's going to be a lot of younger people listening that they might be in that position right now. And this is a very clear message from a very high level athlete that listen, going. listen, listen, homies, it happened to me, my, my rookie year. I mean, I'm 30, I'm still playing ball professionally. And I, I rode the bench my first year out, rode the bench, just went from D3 to one of the best leagues in the world and wasn't ready. So I rode the bench, played five minutes a game and just grinded all those off days and got better. That's, it happens to everyone. And if yeah. you're good enough, let me put it this way. If you're good enough, eventually you're going to get to a team where you're the worst player on the team. That's a great way to look at it. I never thought of it you like just that. just keep going up. You know, yeah, you just yeah. keep going up. I mean, 
every once in a generation, you got a LeBron James who steps in the league and is ready. But even guys in the NBA, they keep getting better. They, they're a one and done. They went to Kentucky. They get to the league, and they're 19, and they're just not ready. They're just not yeah. even good yet, you know? Yeah. And they're the worst guy on the team. Mm-hmm. So it happens to everybody. You just got to – if it's this, if you want to be a basketball player, you just got to keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great stuff. Like I said, I think there's, this, this is going to have a lot more than just nutrition, but – I got a bunch of nutrition questions for you because I'm doing this to get better. I need to know what Patty says I need to be doing better. Oh, yeah, okay. man. We'll definitely dive into that stuff. Yeah, I'm very interested to hear. So I suppose we'll kind of move towards that. that or actually, first, let's just before we move on from the NBA stuff, who's the toughest player you've had to guard? In, in those, and and um, it actually could be over in Israel, or, but I suppose an NBA player would be cool. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Uh, a guy that played on my team this year, his name is James Young. He was a uh, lottery pick for the Celtics. Um, and just a, a really talented player, had a couple of tough breaks, ended up overseas playing with me this past year. And honestly, that dude, I mean, I played against some great leaguers, and I'll get into them, but that dude, James Young, is better. Is he? He's just tougher to guard. He's just tougher to guard. I mean... He, everybody has their flaws, right? But that dude, he led our league in scoring this year. He's my height. He's 6'6". Six, six. He's a lefty. He's got about 30 pounds on me. He dunks it. He's, he shoots it from everywhere. I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, some guys just have something in their fingers. Like, he, he'll, like, jump in the air. I remember this one time. He just he, – he made the wrong read, Patrick. He jumped in the air because he was going to dish it, saw it wasn't there, puts it like behind his head and just like flips it up and into the basket. <laughs> and it was just like some guys got so much talent that when they, they, they do wrong, they do right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And he's just one of those guys, you know, and he just, this innate incredible. ability. Yeah. Just an ability. God, if y'all want to see, if y'all want to see what this kid can do, Google a uh, James Young dunk national championship game because he was a one and done at Kentucky okay and he had he they 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 actually Kentucky ended up losing the national championship that game but James Jimmy was the only guy that played well for him and he had this nasty dunk just a crazy dunk so if anybody wants to see what level of uh athlete we're talking about you can give that a google um but as far as the NBA guys like uh, the top guys that I've played against um you know my first game ever, I was playing, we played the Kings and Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins was mm-hmm. there when he was, this was five years ago when he was like spry. So yeah. now he's just like a little bit older, a little bit out of shape, had some injuries, but this was like young Boogie, like 25 and 15, like a first team all NBA Boogie. He was a monster. Um, let's see. So, you know, one of like low key, the, maybe the hardest guard was Lou Williams for the Clippers because I don't know, like Lou Will is like a three time six man of the year uh, award winner. And but he's just like the craftiest scorer you'll okay. ever see um, because it, it, he's just he's playing chess out there. And that's the way I play, too. And so a lot of my career, it's been like this like my opponent will be like the athletic guy or the guy that's super strong or the super quick and i'm playing a mind game against his ability if that makes sense his physical prowess and then i ran into lou williams and i was like oh shit we're playing a chess game he's playing (laughs) the same way i'm playing and he's really 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 good at it so it was just like trying to cope with that new challenge was really interesting and you know later in the game i started pressing him and like 
tried to flip it, right? I'm 6'6", he's 6'2", I'm a better athlete. So I started putting my body on him and trying to beat him up and lean on him and do all that stuff and just try to uh, like flip the script a little bit. But it was just an interesting challenge. And he ended up shooting a million free throws anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, Crazy. That was fun, though. Andrew Wiggins is super talented, obviously. Um, let's see. Victor Oladipo. We played the Pacers, I think, my second year, the third year. So this is Victor Oladipo in his all-NBA season. Mm. He was an all-star. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a great moment against him. Like, he got me a couple times, but there was this moment. So the, when we played the Pacers, it was the closest. We, we, we never won a game, for yeah, the yeah. record. But when we played the Pacers, it was the closest we got. We were tied at the end of the third quarter. Okay. So we were, like, we were in the game. Um, and he got the ball, he got the ball with about 20 seconds left in the quarter on a fresh shot clock, right? And I'm guarding him. And he does the thing where he's going to hold it for the last shot. So he takes the ball, he does the back dribble to half court. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, put it between his legs. He's put it between his legs and I'm on him and I'm on an island. Like he's not calling for a screen. He's not passing the ball. It's me and him. And, uh, and because it was 20 seconds, I had, that, I had that time to be in my own head for a moment. Like, okay, here we go. This is what's about to happen. You know, I mean, sometimes in basketball, it's just like you don't have time to do that. Absolutely, yeah. But because he did that thing, and he's going to send me the last shot. So I just, like, got really excited. He crossed over, got to the paint, gave me the shrug off to, like, try to get me off his body. And I came down on the ball, straight down off his knee. You know that play? Yeah, 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 yeah. Straight down, off his knee, out of bounds, going down. And uh, that was like one of my fondest memories of the NBA thing because he's a, he was top 10 player in the world at that time. And he tried to put me on the island and I got him. That's tough, man. That's tough. Yeah, he was, he yeah, was, was filthy good. that year. That's... And he's, he's going to be great again. And yeah. Actually, yeah. We have a mutual friend, uh, a mutual friend that we're both close with. So I've worked out with Victor before. Wow. And uh, like been in the gym with him, and he's just a great guy and a tremendous athlete and a great ball player. And I'm really rooting for him. And a sweet guy. He's like a great singer. I don't know if you. Do yeah, that. Like, yeah, yeah. He like sings. He like he sings in the local like I don't know if it's the church choir or whatever. But he like like an opera type singer. You never wow. know, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So. Okay. So now we'll. we'll I suppose we'll start deviating towards a bit of the preparation things and the nutritional things. So. One thing, so I suppose before I go into that, like how I know you, Willie, is we both coached together in the summers in Nantucket in America. And, you know, I do the morning camp and you do the, the later afternoon camp. And then we usually work out. You're there for about th- a three-week period and we work out. And usually we just play ones. And Willie literally beats me 11-0 every fucking day, every single day. And I'll just go crazy until I score even one basket. But... One thing that I've always taken from you is, and I think it was that first summer you told me you're like, Pat, what are you? You're six seven, Willie, right? Ah, uh, six five, maybe six six. Oh wow, okay, okay. Jeez, you seem taller. Than I'll that take one. six seven, bro. I'll take it, man. Okay, but like you're tiny for say playing against NBA players, but you're huge in real life, you know, compared to the yeah, average guy. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And so, I play the same. I play the same position as Kevin Durant, and he's like seven inches tall. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. Absolutely. So, like, 
one kind of, I suppose, strategy you take is being more strategic. And like you say, you're playing a chess match against the athletic guy. But then what I see is your preparation, like your meticulous preparation. And someone posted a, a story that you put back in your story a week ago. And it was just like this guy with his um, very underwhelming athleticism has made a professional career from just pre preparation. And I was like, well, that is so, so true because you, you have so many good habits that you do every single day. Like you're walking into the yeah. gym, rolling, rolling. But I just wanted to know if there's any kind of nutritional things you do there. Sure. Well, first of all, that person talking about my gimpy body was my sister. Yeah, I so, thought so. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why she got to do that. It, it was meant as a compliment, but you know, um, that's, that's pretty funny. But um, yeah, I loved it. So yeah, I mean, I think that like I heard somebody say yesterday, just watching, I mean, I'm watching bubble ball, like the NBA bubble mm -hmm. every, every night. And someone just, it's like, it's like, you know what coach talk is, Patty? Like, uh cliches and all that yeah yeah so it's kind of coach talk but someone was like you are your habits you yeah. are your habits you are the people you're around you are what you do the most you are your habits and i mean that's just the reason it's a cliche is because it's true the reason mm -hmm. people have been saying it over and over forever is because it's just right you know i think the big key is finding something in your life whether it's basketball or nutrition or whatever where your habits can be, you can have good habits like organically. Like I don't wake up in the morning saying, okay, I have to commit to being a basketball player today. I need to commit to my habits today. I enjoy doing these things. I love what I do. You know what I mean? And that's, at least from a motivational standpoint, um, that's what leads to my good habits. So it's really, it's a gift really. It's like a blessing because it's something I always felt naturally. But there's no, there's no doubt that my good habits and one's good habits are what's going to lead to like long-term sustainable success. Um, there's just no other way around it, man. Like the hard work is just the only thing that is undefeated in terms of philosophy, you know, like, and we're going to about to get into a lot of other things, you know what I mean? That honestly, like the science is a bit malleable, right? Like, it goes in, it goes out. Yeah. Now you're not supposed to eat carbs. Now you're not supposed to eat starches. Now this, now that. Yeah. Um, and it's important. You can find a lot of value in those things, but they are more fluid. Hard work is going to make you better, period, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Good good habits, repetitive consistency in your hard work is going to make you better, period. There's no debate. There's no doubt. There's no way around it. You know what I yeah. mean? So yeah. that's the one thing that you can really bank on. And if you do, you're going to get better. Absolutely. That's a really good point. So this, this year, this past year, I actually worked with as a nutritionist for a, they would be, I would say like the top level of a kind of an Irish sport. It's called Gaelic football. Have you heard of it? Really? Gaelic football? Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. Why don't you refresh my memory and some it's, of the listeners? So. so it's like a hybrid between, say, basketball and football, kind of. Um, but it's played on a, the same as a soccer field. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very unique sport. It's just Irish, but it is actually in, on the East Coast of America. There's some teams there. It, is, it would be the top level. You know, like the stadiums for the All-Ireland Final have 80,000 people in them. So it's a very, wow. yeah, it's a very big wow, sport. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So I would have been with one of the top level, like one of the, the teams in the top, 
leak and I was working with their nutrition and it was just very interesting that a lot of the questions I would get would be toward these kind of like what supplement should I start taking or do I need to start mm -hmm. carb loading but just as you mentioned consistency and habits I would just take all these guys first back to the habits are you eating five to seven portions of fruit and veg are you getting eight hours of sleep right. are you drinking two and yeah. a half liters of water and what you find is there's holes in those very simple very simple mm -hmm. things you know they want to go to the kind of fantastic you know very um extraordinary supplement or strategy what type of uh, protein or pre-workout yeah you taking one's like well dude if you get your eight glasses of water that's going to be better than anything else you know? and, and do it consistently like a lot yeah. of play, a lot of people that would come to me would say you know i'm doing all this but they're not doing it for a year they're doing it mm -hmm. for a couple of days and they're saying i'm not seeing any change do it for a mm -hmm. year you know i know i'm not talking about the footballers the footballers are fantastic i'm just talking about in general a lot of people they kind of underestimate the effect that a consistent Listen, you, you want to change your body it's going to take you months if not years absolutely that's just it's going to take you months everything everything that's good in the world takes a long time to get to absolutely that's just how it works you yeah. can't sprint to it it's got to be a long grind so you're absolutely right man you you can't get hydrated you can't if you're a dehydrated person and been clinically like or like consistently not drinking enough water your whole life you can't just pound a two liter and then be hydrated. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. It just doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. Your body's not ready for it. You're not getting the electrolytes. You're not getting everything you need to absorb it. It just takes time. That's a really so good that's point. That's interesting. Yeah. That applies to all, all concepts. So like you know, if you're not eating healthy, you can't just eat, have one or two days. One salad. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm good. It takes your body a while to catch up to your mind, no matter yes. what you're trying yeah. to do. Okay. So, what does a typical day of say eating uh, and kind of what kind of nutritional say strategies do you implement on a daily basis? Like you don't have to go into like any specifics or anything like that, just in general on a daily basis mm -hmm. to kind of keep yourself ready. Yeah. So I have like uh, people have asked me about nutrition, like young players have asked me. So I've got a couple of things I tell them like that are just big ballpark things yeah. that I can lay on you if you'd like me to. Of course. Um, First of all, like, I like to say, like, first of all, everything your mom told you is true, is right. So that means lots of vegetables, lots of water, lots of sleep. Like, that's it. You know, what simple I mean? things, like, man. The simple things. Uh, so being outside in the sun. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I always thought, like, oh man, who knew? And then it kind of dawned on me, like, well, everyone's mother ever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so lots of water. Lots of vegetables, lots of sunlight, and uh, lots of sleep. You know, like those are just good habits. Um, in terms of like diet specifically, like my basic rule with myself is that I I still eat hamburgers. You know what I mean? I still eat pizza. I still eat ice cream. It just has to be a treat. You know what I mean? It cannot be a habit. It yeah. can't be something you do often. It's got to be like okay. I've wanted a hamburger for like a week. You know what I mean? Now I'm going to have it. It's, mm -hmm. it's not the rest of the days. You have to be, you have to be consistent with like, um, healthier, leaner, not even necessarily leaner foods, just healthier foods that I look at as like, you want to get your, your, your complex carbohydrate, your simple carbohydrate and your protein. Mm -hmm. So those are my three that that's, and for in layman's terms, that's like vegetables, a grain or a potato type thing and uh, a protein and it doesn't have to be meat mm -hmm. it can be 
I might have a little bit else with it, something else with it, you know what I mean? But I got to I gotta even that equation, that daily equation of plenty of vegetables, plenty of protein, and plenty of, like, uh, starch um, because of the way I work and how many calories I'm putting out. So that's the other thing, like, that I'm, like, not a great uh, guide for the average person because I can't eat enough, literally. Absolutely. Like, for the amount of calories I'm burning. So there's no portion control with me fatty i'm just shoveling it in all the time you know which is like not great advice for every person um but it is if you're working out twice a day every day like and you're burning that calories so yeah Yeah. so yeah i i mean everything else is just kind of preference after that right like personally in the morning i try to get a bowl of cereal with a banana on it and then i make a i make a smoothie and put a scoop of protein powder in it nice just because that's like it's a lot of first of all it's a lot it kind of covers all those groups we just talked about yeah and it's just like it's like easier to digest like mentally in the morning you know like a smoothie and a bowl of cereal is like okay you can do it like if if you're like okay i'm gonna have you know grilled chicken and broccoli and like you know white rice i'm gonna do it in the morning right like you put it in your your mind that you're just gonna eat that every meal that's what we talk about consistency and good habits. You're not going to be able to stick to that. Bro. Absolutely. You're not going to eat broccoli, grilled chicken and white rice every morning for your whole mm-hmm. life in the morning. You know what I mean? So it's about finding good habits that you can, you know, be consistent with. That's one thing I've noticed with these, with these uh, young players I've, I've worked with is, so I had a lot of players come to me and they were telling me they're eating constantly and they just cannot seem to put on muscle. They cannot seem to put mm-hmm. on mass. And I know that's kind of something you came to me about. So maybe that's something we can talk about. But when I, so what I would have them do is download that app, MyFitnessPal. And I did this with a lot of the players. So they would download the app, you know, MyFitnessPal that everybody sure. used. Yeah. You, t- you told me about it. Oh, I did? You told me about it last summer. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd actually connect my phone to theirs. So like I could actually go into their MyFitnessPal. And obviously oh, they cool. knew about this, but so they would, <laughs> yeah. So they would, they would track their food intake for a week. But really what I was seeing was they were un- overestimating how much they were eating hugely. Mm-hmm. And so what I was seeing, and this is probably similar, similar for you, is I was seeing that these guys were, okay, their maintenance would be, maintenance just means if I was to not exercise today, I was to just do my normal activity, walking around, sitting down, you know, being awake for 12 hours. If I was to just do that, that's your maintenance to stay at my body weight, you know, not factoring mm-hmm. in purposeful, like, uh, physical activity sessions. So Weighing, gaining or losing, just yes, that's amazing. Exactly. I got it. Got you. So if I, so what I w- would see is we'll just say an example. One of the players, their maintenance would be 2,500 calories. All right. Mm-hmm. And they would have a weight session and they would have, you know, their, their pitch session and they would be having, they were like, yeah, I'm, I'm hitting 3000 calories, but I'm like, you're probably under consuming calories for your maintenance yeah. when you factor in the physical activity you've done today. And they were saying, I can't gain weight. You're lucky you're you not four, losing you weight. Four or five thousand. Yeah, yeah. You need four or five thousand just to Absolutely. tread water at that point. It's it's interesting. That's that's very interesting. So uh you've always been the data guy, right? <laughs> like that's in our relationship, and I've kind of always been the the I, I, this is how I saw our partnership, see our partnership, and I have I, I don't really think like that. You know what I mean? I think more about the feeling. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And and I think the trick is 
especially when you're a young athlete trying to get, and I'm an old athlete trying to gain weight. So like, (laughs) I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about, but um, for me, it's like, there's a balance between how much you work and how hungry that makes you, right? Because your body is trying to balance itself. If you're working and doing all that work and eating after and you can't gain weight, that's got to tell you something. And what it tells me is that you need to be adding calories when you're not hungry. That's the only way. That's the only way to do it, right? Because your body's hungry to replace those calories. Your body's not trying to gain 20 pounds of muscle. It's not programmed like that. That's you, the athlete, that's trying to do that. So that's why I started doing things like, you know, the scoop of a protein gainer in the uh, in in the smoothie, right? Because the smoothie was enough to like maintain, right? Yeah. It was enough to like fill me up. Okay, I'm good. I got energy. I can go go to work. But it's got got to be that extra stuff that you're almost forcing. You're almost forced eating uh, to like get that calorie count up because it's just a math problem. Yeah, Finally, it's just it's just a math problem. Yeah. You burn yeah. five thousand calories. If you take in uh, five thousand, you're not going to gain any weight. Yeah. You're taking six thousand, you might. If you're taking four thousand, you're going to lose weight. That's yeah. it. Yeah. But um, I think I think that for young athletes trying to gain to have that data, what's it called? Uh, what's the app called? Oh, my fitness pal. My fitness pal is just great because there's no, you know, there's no line. There's no cheating the numbers, you know. Exactly. That exactly. is what it is. Um, and I think it's probably very helpful for some people to see that their feelings, how they feel in terms of hunger levels and uh, digestive levels and all that next to the numbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. you can get, get, can see it from both sides and maybe it makes more sense to them. The thing about my fitness pal as well is that I wouldn't get someone to track for the year. That wouldn't just, it wouldn't be feasible, you know, to have to log every mm-hmm. bit of food that passes your lips for a year. That just, mm-hmm. it just takes the absolute, the, any joy out of eating. So all I do is I actually get them just to do it for a couple of days, just to kind of, as you say, give them that objective look at what, what's truly going on. Just as you say, it's very important that, and a lot of times with these young athletes, it would be, it would be, they'd have to get in an extra meal or an extra snack, even though they weren't, it wasn't their typical eating time, their meal time, mm-hmm. or when they weren't hungry. But there's also some little kind of micro strategies you can implement. So things would be like drinking your calories. So I know you said a smoothie. So yeah. one, one tip I give people is like, if you're not hungry, all right, you might not be able to eat a meal, but you might be able to drink, you know, a fruity smoothie. That might be easier. Right. So like packing, you know, some, put some nuts, some seeds, some protein mm-hmm. powder. A lot of times with the young athletes was waking up early. So a lot of young athletes, they were in college and you know, they didn't have class till the afternoon. They were sleeping till 11 and then they mm-hmm. would skip breakfast. And that's an eight, an 800 to a thousand calorie meal that they're missing out on. And so that was a big one, you know, that's great stuff. That's, that's stuff I've learned uh, myself through trial and error over yeah. 10 years. And, and you're getting to it quick and giving these kids good information early because waking like, Waking up, drinking your calories, that's great. Um, because we all feel that, right? You just woke up in the morning, you're not hungry. Yeah. Like most yeah. people aren't hungry right away. You know what I mean? Um, but actually, uh, if it's okay to pivot real quick, I was wondering if you've been doing any research on sleeping and like the importance of it. Because that's another thing that's like, I think very, very important. Um, and a lot of young athletes don't do it well. A lot of old athletes don't do it well. A lot of guys on my team don't do it well. And I was wondering if you had any like uh, tips for sleeping habits or amount or when or how or anything that you could share with me and everybody listening. So I wouldn't have done my own, say, research on it or anything like that. But 
I just, it's so funny because my good buddy that I actually went to Denmark to study with, he's from Ireland. He is, to put it lightly, obsessed with sleep and obsessed with the concept. And it's so funny, Willie. So when I went over to Denmark, we, we had an orientation and the course director, really, really interesting guy. He had spent his career researching sleep. And I remember we chatted to him and he goes, he said to us, he was like, you wouldn't believe the research that's out there showing the detrimental effects that insufficient sleep can have on everything on like just mm. general health, but also sports performance. So a big thing I would say is, and especially for young people is eight hours at 2 AM to 10 to 10 AM is not the same as eight hours from 10 PM, you know, to 6 AM. To 6 a.m., yeah. 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 Okay, so like, and why is that? I, I, I've heard that too, and I think, I, why is that? So I suppose, like, just kind of at surface level, I would say it was, it's because you're, you're passing that natural point of where your body wants to go into sleep. And so we have things like, they're called circadian rhythms, where your body mm -hmm. is producing hormones such as melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. And it's doing sure. that at a regular cycle, but it's also aligned with the, the uh, daylight and sunlight yeah and because so, of our biological ancestors man exactly. they just fell asleep when it got dark exactly yeah. uh, absolutely and so if you if you go past that point your ability to just because you fall asleep doesn't mean you you can actually transcend into that deep sleep you know that REM cycle sleep that REM so cycle. when you go past that point of you know nine or ten o'clock it's going to be harder to transition into that into that deep sleep and that deep mm -hmm. sleep we know is where the actual recovery, the most, the majority of our recovery to our tissues, to everything occurs. And so when you're sleeping at two, while you might fall asleep, you, you won't get that true deep sleep that you need. And so that's why you'll wake up at, you know, you'll wake up at 11 or 12 in the afternoon and you'll, you'll still feel groggy. Groggy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's, is, is yeah. there, sorry, is there like uh, the data as, is there like a, uh, a time a window that's supposed to be like optimal sleep like nine to five or ten to six i would just say i i mean i would say whenever you know i don't know if you this just might be me but when you get that first kind of initial tiredness in the evening you know when it's just mm -hmm. after getting dark and you get that initial tiredness and if you if you go past that you know you get that second wind and it's harder to go to you sleep buzz but, again but right. that natural tiredness is actually the peak point of the melatonin production in your body mm. and that's when your body is down regulating everything and mm. so some strategies that i would give so yeah it, it depends it can be between it can be between 7 and 10 p.m and 11 p.m you know it's different for different people and it's going right. to depend on their own circadian rhythms but some tips i would say is always manage for at least eight hours sleep so if you have work at nine in the city and you have a 45 minute commute and you need to be mm. up at 7 a.m then give yourself the possibility of sleeping for eight hours, which is getting to sleep by 11. So that, that right. means if you're a hard sleeper, it takes a while to get to sleep. You know, you got to get to bed an hour earlier than that. You got to yeah. be in bed at 10 to give yeah. you the chance. Yeah. yeah. So like sure. preparation, you know, time management is a, is a, is the first thing. Okay. Absolutely. No, that's, that's great. And yeah, it kind of ties back into like listening to your body. Like, for you, it might happen at seven. For me, it might be 10. Like we're different people with different bodies, but listen to yourself. When you get tired, don't, don't, don't fight it. You know what yeah. I mean? Don't play another game of Fortnite, bro. You exactly. don't need it. <laughs> Just go to sleep. A big thing for me that I couldn't believe was the time when you should stop consuming caffeine. 
and that is 2 p.m. You have to give your body like six hours, you know, yeah. six hours sure. without caffeine because caffeine can keep early, stimulating. Bro. Yeah. And people don't realize, like, you know, you people going in for their last meeting at work or going into, going into college, yeah. drinking a coffee at 5 p.m. And it's like, sure. and, and this is a big thing. Like I said earlier, you, while you might be able to fall asleep, that caffeine is, gonna, is not going to allow you to transition into that deep right. REM sleep and get a full sleep mm -hmm. cycle. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, and so that's a big one. I have a lot of people who come to me just with trouble sleeping, trouble like getting to sleep. Yeah. And so very like, there hasn't been research. I haven't read research on this, but a, a few things is turning off the, the bright light on your, on your phone or your laptop. So yeah. blue light, it actually kind of activates areas in the brain and just keeps, uh, it keeps you activated. And so that's why bright light in the morning is good because it activates right. and wakes up your body. And that's you what you don't want that at night. Exactly. Because melatonin mm -hmm. is actually uh, reduced. It suppresses the melatonin, which and I, I keep saying this hormone, but it's our sleep hormone. So when you get this bright light, our body actually reduces the amount of melatonin. And that's what wakes you up and cool. activates all your organs. All you do on your iPhone is just, you turn night mode on. I also have blue light blockers that I usually put on after six. I haven't put them on now, but I also put night mode on, on, on my uh, computer screen. I also say try to spend an hour without your phone in bed. And I know that's something you do before you're going mm -hmm. to sleep. You told me that. Yeah. Or, or, or you know what else I do just real quick? Sometimes I'll listen to things instead of watch things. So I, I, my phone's in the bed, but I'm listening to a podcast Absolutely. instead of staring at the screen. Yeah. So, yeah. So Someone might going. be listening to this right now <laughs> as they're yeah. falling asleep, right? right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That'd be trippy. <laughs> That's actually what I do every single night. I listen to a podcast because I'm not watching right. the screen. I'm not completely engaged with it. It's a secondary engagement where I can actually transition yep. into sleep. Yeah. You can float off. You yeah, exactly. Float off when you're exactly. To things. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah. Keeping the room cold is another one and keeping it completely dark. And the one other thing I just wanted to like, uh, just touch on about sleep that I've noticed that I think that it's like important to dispel. Like there's a real, uh, like, people really romanticize not getting a lot of sleep in, in, in terms of what that means about their work ethic. Like, have you seen this phenomenon? Like, oh, like, so-and-so, they work all the time. They don't even sleep. You know what I mean? They just work, 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 work. Grind uh, all day. I see, grind, all I see yeah. grind all day. I see it all, you know, on Wall Street. Guys don't sleep because they got to get to the office early the next morning. Uh, coaches, I've seen it a lot from. And I just want to, like, like, I think that young people and old people, everyone needs to understand that you do your best work with proper sleep. Absolutely. So like, Absolutely. Um, don't get caught up in like the rat race. Like, Oh, this guy is, you know, is beating me into the office by 30 minutes. Cause he only sleeps two hours a night. It was like, well, that dude's probably making mistakes, you know, or that person is doing something not sustainable. You know, maybe he can do it for a couple months, a couple of years, but can he do it for 40, you know, and make a career out of it. So I would just like, um, stress to people like exactly what we're talking about like how important sleep is and don't get caught up in that narrative of like not sleeping is a good thing because it shows how dedicated you are you know that's 100 percent. that's exactly what that that researcher had told us over in yeah. denmark that time he said you have this and exactly like you said willie a narrative that it's cooler or it's you're more dedicated if you sacrifice sleep but ultimately you're going to perform your body is capable of handling more stress you know, right. physically when it is recovered more. Yeah. Just, yeah, just time it's like, management. It's like, 
it doesn't make it t- it's time management. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like you never hear someone coming in to the uh, to the gym or like, yo, I'm 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 so dedicated. I haven't eaten anything in three days. You know what I mean? It's like what, bro? Like, yeah, you can't yeah. work well if you don't have anything to eat. What are you doing? I'm so dedicated. I haven't drinking any water this week. You know? It's like what? Dude? No, man, that's not that's not what it is. Yeah. So there's there's like young athletes. You know, there's an advantage to be taken there. Because not everybody is going to make the sacrifices and chase the knowledge of nutrition and sleep and hydration and all that stuff. And if you can be one of the guys that does it, that's just like being a little bit better of a shooter than the next guy. You know what I mean? Because you can find that energy in these margins where other people aren't competing necessarily. That's how I look at it. I'm looking at it as a competition. If I can have a better diet than the next guy, I got a better chance of winning the game and making the money and adding years to the contract and keep, keep going. You know what I mean? So um, you can really find an advantage in some of these areas if you're willing to do the work and if you can open your mind to think about it. That's a really, really good point that it, even if it's a one to 2% improvement, that's a one to 2% that could put you ahead of the 11th man that you're competing with on your team. <laughs> Bro, a hundred to 98 final score. What's the difference? Yeah. 2%. Yeah. One bucket, you know, that's it. And yeah. that's the difference between winning a championship and being the big player in everybody's mind and not, and just being another guy. That's all for me, Willie, man. So do you have any, any questions? And we can do this obviously off air or whatever, but if you wanted to. No, I, got, I, got a, I just got a quick, I got a quick one about uh, nutrition that yeah. I was like talking to my nutritionist this season because our, our team employs one talking about um, like what to eat pre- the day of a game, the day of a game, right? Uh, how far out you should eat, what your uh, makeup should be of that meal. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. my nutritionist was basically like, the short of it is that carbohydrates, something like rice, potatoes, uh, sweet potatoes, pasta, that just that stuff takes longer for your body to break down and absorb the energy from. There's a lot of good energy there. It just takes your body a while to do it. So that's, you don't want to eat a plate of pasta a minute, uh, I mean, an hour before the game, you know what I mean? But maybe five hours, six hours, 10 hours. So I was just wondering if you could shed some light on like, uh, I got a game at eight, eight o'clock. Let's do this. I got a game at eight o'clock at night, right? What should I be doing? When should I wake up? Should I nap? You know what I mean? When should I eat what? Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So the, what the nutritionist says about having that big plate of carrots before the game is a hundred percent correct. That the pregame meal you have won't add to your carbohydrate stores or your energy stores at all. It won't, it'll have little effect. So what we know about that is it's the days leading up to your game that are going to be most important in the days leading up to your game, the two to three days. Now you've probably heard of the concept, obviously carb loading, and I'm sure the listeners have carb loading. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, yeah, for a lot of people that means eating a pizza before the night of a game, (laughs) which is, which it's what I used to do. Willie, man, it was, and when I think back to that, it was, crazy but carb loading simply means just increasing your carbohydrate intake a small bit gradually in the days leading up to a game whilst and you'll probably be doing this naturally with the team decreasing your training load so what Mm -hmm. you're doing is your muscles can actually keep topping up their store of your carbohydrates which is in the form of a thing called glycogen now that's all i'm going to mention about that because i want to keep everyone with me because i know i have some young listeners but you're, if you're training a lot and you're under eating carbohydrates in the days leading up to the game, you're going to go into that game, regardless of whatever or how many carbohydrates you have in that pregame meal, you're going to go in not replenished fully. 
and you're going to suffer as a result. And so this is what I would recommend. You wake up at your normal time, right? You know, eight or 9 a.m. You have a carbohydrate rich breakfast, but you also want to get, you know, a good pan size of protein. So 20 to 30 grams of protein. And you can have some healthy fats as well with that, you know, some nuts or some avocado with your, your egg and toast or whatever. I would have your last big meal three to four hours before the game. And that, okay. meal, yeah, and that meal should have, you know, some whole grain carbohydrates. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to keep fiber low because as your nutritionist said, the reason they take a long time to digest is because the fiber in them. Right. And you don't want this mm -hmm. big meal sitting in your stomach when you're warming up. Or you don't want to be digesting when you're hooping, man. Exactly. You want to be digested. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so what you do is you keep fiber low and you also keep fat low because fat sits in the stomach for longer. So mm -hmm. that's why you always have pregame meals of, you know, grilled chicken because grilled chicken is very lean, very low in fat yeah. and pasta. So that would be, that would be my recommendation, but you also want to get a good healthy dose of protein in there. Right. So we know when you're exercising for extended amount of time, your muscle breaks down a small bit to provide energy as well. Right. And so if okay. you, yeah. And so your muscle is yeah. always turning over. So if you have protein in your bloodstream, proteins broken down to amino acids and if amino acids are circulating in that bloodstream, as your muscle turns over, it has those freely available amino acids that it can it's got building right blocks. In. Yes. Yeah. As soon exactly. as you break it down, it's just ready to plug up. Exactly. Okay. So that's three to four hours out. And now I suppose so three to four hours out, I want to take uh, a big plate of rice and a big, big plate of grilled chicken. Basically. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like a big plate. It's just, it's just your okay. typical meal. Because as I said, the studies are showing that this is going to have minimal effect on your actual energy stores right mm -hmm. and okay. because, yeah and so you're looking for so, the so energy for that right away kind of like for the next two or three hours and for the game rather than putting it back into your muscle stores to use it later you know what gotcha. i'm saying gotcha yeah, yeah you want it you want it to be more readily available like yeah. quick right now i need it not like i'm building my muscle like long yeah time. yeah um okay so really it's the days leading up to game day that is the most important time. So you're talking uh, a day before, the day before, two days before, the more days before the better. Like what do you, like what would you do if you were me and you had, I played every Monday and every Friday, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So basically what I would do if I were you, I would pretty much keep carbohydrates high every single day of the week. And then in the two to three days leading up to the actual game, I would just increase them slightly. So you don't really like for a lot of athletes, I wouldn't say you have to go into the numbers. Like I actually will send you obviously numbers because I think it could be useful right. for you. You can do that, but having, you know, a good handful of carbohydrates in every single meal, mm -hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a great rule of thumb. And if you're, and when you say carbohydrates, you're talking about like co complex carbs, like so pastas, rice, pastas, rice, bread. Sweet yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sweet potatoes. Exactly. Um, and then obviously some vegetables have carbohydrates in them. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, the, and you want them whole grain, right? You want them very complex right. because they provide long lasting energy. You know, they're not just put into the bloodstream, like uh, simple sugars and then digested and used the straight away. Very quickly. Yeah, right. exactly. So, okay. So yeah, in the, in the two to three days, Willie, I would say just slightly increase the portion. So for you, I know you said you, and I know in the summer you eat salads for lunch. I would just say throw in some complex carbohydrates, you know, a couple of spoonfuls of brown rice, 
you know, with mm -hmm. that um, and make sure you're getting some protein there. But I'll, I'll definitely give you some numbers there like that you can actually figure right. out for yourself and make sure you're hitting them. The other thing now is the, obviously everyone wants to know about the, the pregame snack, right? Right. So like what the am banana, I banana, the PB and J, like what am I getting? Yeah. And so the same kind of concept applies is you want it readily available. So you want it, sorry, not the same concept. You don't want it a complex carbohydrate. You want it a very simple carbohydrate, which is sugar. All right. Yeah. And that's why some things like a piece of chocolate or some little gummy bears or sweets can actually be good. Very interesting. There's a subset of people of athletes that actually react negatively to this. So what happens is when you take in this simple sugar, you get this energy mm -hmm. spike, but then it drops so low to a point of hypoglycemia, which a lot of diabetics suffer from. And yep. it's this period yep. of 20 to 30 minutes where these athletes feel like shit. And so that, if that's you, not you, I'm saying. I felt that. No, I've, I, I have felt that. I have felt that before. Okay. When you just like, you like, you, you like basically shoot your clip out and then all of a sudden you go, Ugh. Yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And you so, feel like what you want to do is go have another piece of chocolate or another banana or whatever. Um, is, that, is that a reasonable thing to do if you start to feel like that? Like if you course. go over the clip just to add more sugar in or will it just keep going over the cliff again and again you know what i mean that's a really good question i would say experiment without the pregame snack so i would say experiment in a high intensity train and you know one that you know that you're not going to be sitting on the side stretching while the young guys are getting a run one that you know you're going to go okay. hard at and then try without your pregame snack and see if you get that you know that dip yeah. and if you don't get that right. dip you know you're if, if you're taking the the right steps in the days leading up and you're having that good meal you pro the, the pregame snack isn't going to be that important. Just like I said, okay. they have minimal, minimal impact. Mm -hmm. In-game feeding. So for basketball, it's, it's a tricky one for me because you don't, different players are playing different amounts of time. Like I, so this year we had some players on our team that we like, they were eating snacks all the time, but they were playing five minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, it's like, what's the point, you know? <laughs> yeah. I would say you need, you need to snack on these things if you're playing a lot or, you know, whatever sport you're in, if you're, if you're playing 60 to 70 minutes constantly, yeah. that's when these uh, halftime or we call it intra workout yeah. snacks come in. A halftime uh, granola bar, a halftime uh, banana. Yeah. yeah, I do yeah. that. And basically what they do, Willie, is at that point of halftime, your muscle stores of carbohydrate will be dwindling, right? And carbohydrate will let us perform at our highest intensity. So if you consume that, that halftime sweets or fruit or whatever, it's giving you a small dose of that readily available energy so you can preserve that, that last little bit in the muscle. So that yeah. later, when it comes down to, you know, the buzzer beater. Fourth uh, quarter, yeah. You're Fourth guarding quarter. Victor Oladipo yeah. at half on that yeah. island yeah. and you need an extra gear yeah that's when that's when that kind of thing can come in and you're not completely fucked dude victor didn't have his halftime banana bro <laughs> he didn't have it man <laughs> yeah absolutely so that would be that would be the the day leading up to the game and just i know we're going a huge amount of time over i'll let you go soon but the recovery period you cut it up however you want bro the, the recovery period is massive and that is something that is completely overlooked so when i tell people the important like they need to prioritize recovery. They look at me like, oh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll feel sore the next morning. No, you'll play shit next week. How's that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then they're like, oh, right. okay. 
you know? Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you this as well because today is my first rest day in okay. a couple of weeks, you know what I mean? And I think that for, at least for me, I'm always fighting that battle, right? Like I want to be the most dedicated hooper in the world. That's what I want to be because that's how I know I can be the best. So you start thinking about like an off day and you start questioning yourself like, oh, am I just being lazy? You know what I mean? Like, would it be better if I kept working? And then, of course, you have the days where, oh, how like a little something in my hamstring, like, damn, I knew I should have taken an off day. You know what I mean? So you start questioning yourself that way. So tell me about rest and recovery and how long I should be taking between workouts and how many workouts a week. You know what I mean? How many off days a week? Talk to me, Patty. I would just say it, it, it comes down to yourself and like, you know, your body. I mean, I don't see there's any reason you can do five to six sessions, but like when we say sessions, are we talking about strength sessions or, you know, intense basketball mm -hmm. sessions, but I don't see any reason you can't be doing a little bit every day once you're taking the necessary steps. So like your hour of stretching, you know, mm -hmm. uh, your strength, your recovery strength workout, your prehab or your rehabilitation, you know, your injury prevention, right. balance, sure. proprioceptive work. Um, I know we're getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, that's like active recovery. So I know for you, a big thing is like sitting at home, you feel like you're doing nothing. So for people, and there's a lot of athletes like you that they want to be doing something every day. And if, if you need to, then have that active recovery, go to the gym, make it like a, a typical day of working out, but just right. say, I'm not going to do any intense session. I'm just going to work on active recovery, you know? Yeah. One legged balance stuff. and things like that. That's good stuff. That's, I think that's the key. That's, that's great. That's what I've done today. That's what yeah. I did today. Um, I, I, I agree. I think that what people, uh, a lot of people, a lot of professionals that I've, I've seen make this mistake is that there, there's a difference between a nothing day and a rest day. You know what I mean? Your rest day, you should never spend a day, the whole day on the couch. You know, yeah. that's not, that's not good rest. You're not recovering. You're going to be worse the day after that then rather than better you're going to be more tired more stiff all that and um that's good stuff Patrick because like I'll do something like today like I'll make make the the uh the conscious uh commitment okay I'm not going to touch a basketball and I'm not going to touch a weight anything else I want to do I can do you mm -hmm. know what I mean I can stretch I can roll I can do some yoga but like you should but I make these little rules for myself. Like if I, if I go to the hoop, if I go to the court just to shoot a little bit, uh, that's not me. I'm going to end up grinding. You know, yeah. if I go to the weight room, yeah. I'm not going to be able to do it. You know what I mean? So, um, that's, uh, that's interesting because on my off days, like I'll just, I'll stay at home. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I know if I put myself in those places, but I think active recovery is something that, uh, a lot of people could benefit from and just moving your body, you know, light movement is always a good thing for your body. But I think it's, it's, it's really important to tell yourself constantly. So I know with you and it, it, it's probably eating on your mind when you're not lifting or you're not training. Oh, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm not doing anything. You have to affirm to yourself and it's similar to sleep. This is what I need most. I need right to go to bed early. I need to take this rest day. Mm -hmm. I will perform better if I take this rest day. Right, right now, I feel like I'm being lazy, but tomorrow I'll be able to grind. Right hundred percent rather than 95 percent, right. you know and if you and and the whole key is to be able to believe yourself when you tell yourself something you That's know what true. i mean if That's you can true. if you believe it um it's like the chicken and the egg but 
Oh, it kills me, Patrick. Especially I go, and, you know, I'm chilling, so I'm on Instagram and I see some guy he just posts these and the gym riding, and I'm like, oh, this fucking guy. He thinks he's doing something. He's not doing nothing. <laughs> but like he's but, Instagramming um, that yeah, one hour yeah. that he is working, you know, and you don't, uh, yeah. you know, and so that's that's another, that's another thing. That's another thing the kids should know. The guys that are always posting, they're not grinding. They don't work they post every time. They they they're, they're posting every time they grind. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Absolutely. The guys that work a lot don't feel the need to talk about it. Absolutely. But anyway, I'll give you one last tip for a, a recovery, cool. kind of nutritional kind of strategy. It is try to get your meal, your recovery meal within an hour to two hours after your game or your heavy training. And that should, mm-hmm. and because what happens is your muscles are more sensitive than they will be for the rest of the day. Because that's good stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. good stuff. And I have a follow up question on that because it's something I've uh, battled with myself. So for my team, and I'm sure it's a lot of like college teams or like lower, but like non NBA teams, right? That, don't have, you know, steak and potatoes for you, like right after the game. But for my team, we play an away game, right? Uh, We play somewhere, it's like two hours away. The game ends at nine or 10. And they just, you know, they bring on on a bunch of pizzas onto the bus for the ride home. You know what I mean? Yep. That's that's the level of budget we're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel lucky where we are, we have that they feed us, you know? Um, So is it better for me to eat that pizza at, at so i play at eight over at nine whatever should i eat that pizza at 10 or should i wait until one when i'm back at my own apartment and have something a little more classically healthy i mean i think you're playing enough that the pizza won't have any you know and plus weight gain isn't really an issue for you so it's not going to be optimal for your recovery i mean it is mm-hmm. going to have your carbohydrates but it's not gonna it's not gonna have really negative impacts so i say i would say if you're hungry eat but okay. if it's possible for you to get a protein shaker right and this is this oh, is yeah. this is the perfect post-game meal 20 to 30 so a, a scoop of protein powder right or maybe even two scoops 50 to 60 grams of simple carbohydrates right which is fruit juice right so just make some fruit juice in um okay. or a couple of spoons of sugar or, you know, or chocolate powder or whatever for you, or like, or, or blended up fruit or just blended up fruit yeah, like yeah, yeah. With, yeah. The, with the scoop of protein powder. Uh, I, and then I, I told my athletes creatine, five grams of creatine, right. And then mm-hmm. 50 milligrams of sodium for every hundred mil of liquid. So I would just okay. say, you know, one to two grams of salt, maybe mm-hmm. into that, into that, you know, like half a teaspoon. Table salt. Yeah. Table salt. White yep. table salt. Yeah. Okay. Because that's an electrolyte, Willie. And, and obviously, Sodium. you want to be drinking your water, of course. So, yep. right? You want to be drinking plenty of water after that game. Mm-hmm. But if you just constantly drink water after a game, it doesn't have the ability to be actually absorbed. It's running through you. It's running through you. You need, you need you. electrolytes to keep that water in. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting because I'm always salting my food because I know I need the sodium. Um, but I've never put it right in the protein shake. You know what I mean? It, it'll taste weird, but Hey, you're having pizza. So it's probably plenty of sodium. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. And that's yeah, one so thing that people don't realize. I eat, usually what I do is I'll eat two or three slices just to like 
quell the beast, the hunger beast, and then eat something good when I yeah, get home. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that sounds good. You know, you're on the back of the bus and there's a pepperoni pizza right there and you dog tired. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might yeah. have to. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh Willie man, that is I think we a lot of fun. We uh we definitely a filled up on this time. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah, thank you man. so much for coming on, bud. Uh, and I'll definitely send you oh, a lot of information you. about that. And for all, for any other young athletes, just give me a message on Instagram or whatever, and I will get on to you. But I'll definitely have some notes here, and I'll link up to your team and things like that in the notes. Uh, absolutely, dude. Um, thank you very much for having me. It was a blast. I missed these talks because what people might not know is that me and Patty like spend you know, a month together every summer, we're together every day and we're talking, we just talk about this stuff. So yeah. I definitely missed, uh, uh, picking your brain, you know what I mean? Cause you basically do all the reading for me is what happened. <laughs> you do all the studying, all the hard work. And I'm like, yo, daddy, what you learned last night, man? Like, help me out here. Yeah. So, but the important uh, thing is, man, that you, you caveat, you caveat all that with actual real world experience, which is 50% of it. And people like, you can't just yeah. live in the fucking books. You know what I mean? No, no. Yeah. You got to do both, man. Yeah. Uh, but so anyways, thank you very much for having me. Please, like, uh, give me all the information, like, what I can post to, like, uh, on Instagram or whatever to, like, yeah. get, get more people viewing and, and all that stuff. And just thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much, Willie. So there you have it, everyone. Willie Workman. Cool fucking dude, right? I thought that was a great episode and hope to do a few more in the future like that. If you want to get in touch with Willie, send me a message and I'll communicate that through to him. Please, please, please like, subscribe and rate the podcast. Share it on your story on Instagram. The more feedback, the more ratings I get, the more credibility I have to have more fantastic guests on. So I'm just asking for help with that. Thank you so much and have a fantastic day.